the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another episode of Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. So go to LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. This stuff, gold and silver, it's real. It's not crypto. So go to the folks that I trust at LegacyPMInvestments.com. We appreciate their sponsorship more than they know. Well, I'm sure as with my interview with Dr. Peter McCullough about COVID, this particular interview is going to be taken off YouTube as fast as ever um, because I'm conflicted about COVID vaccines and boosters. Now, I have been vaccinated twice with one booster, but I am done because I've met many COVID injured people. And I just also, there's a lot of mistrust out there and it's warranted. We were told things that just didn't pan out. We were told the vaccine would stop the virus dead in its tracks, that it would prevent you from going to the hospital and that it would ensure that you would not die. Well, it didn't stop the virus dead in its tracks, did it? No, people are still getting boosted and still getting COVID. And by the way, how could such sweeping conclusions, declarations about this vaccine and what it could and couldn't accomplish be made in such a short period of time? Speaking of short period of time, there are a lot of questions about how quickly this vaccine was pushed onto the market. Again, we've seen people who get multiple shots say, oh, thank goodness, because I have COVID now and it would have been a whole lot worse if I hadn't gotten my booster. How can you say that? How can you know that? That's an impossible claim to make. And that brings us to today's guest, Dr. Jessica Rose. Her credentials, she is postdoctoral in biochemistry postdoctoral in molecular biology, PhD in computational biology, a master's in medicine, immunology, and a BS in uh, applied mathematics. You can find her at jessicasuniverse.com. She is devoting her time to informing people that COVID vaccines are not the safe and effective mechanisms we were led to believe that they are. Now, we ran into a few technical issues while recording this. We've done our best to clean it up and give you uh, our best version of this podcast with Dr. Jessica Rose. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world... Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. (laughs) Jessica Rose, Dr. Jessica Rose joins us now to explain what this is and why it matters right now. Jessica, I really appreciate your time. You have made um, it your mission, if you will, to to point out to people how dangerous 
the COVID vaccine, at least the initial version of it, has been. What drew you to this field of study? Um, well, um, what drew me to VAERS is the uh, the data aspect, I suppose. I have a background in applied mathematics and, uh, and immunology and also computational biology, molecular biology, and biochemistry. So for a, a few weeks before um, I started thinking about the preponderance of adverse events that might be upon us, um, I started seeing some signs that perhaps things were going to start to go wrong once the injection rollout started, because this was simply based on obvious things like the fact that there wasn't sufficient or adequate safety and efficacy testing. This is an unknown thing. You don't need safety data, not like we have it, but you don't need that to know. Uh, Just in case people don't know, um, to get a biological product, which a vaccine is on the market, it generally takes between five and 15 years of testing. And there are very good reasons for that. So these things were expedited, you know, less than a year. They were in the arms of people. And these are not conventional vaccines. These are uh, mRNA transfection agents. So I started thinking about um, analyzing VAERS data because I actually had um, the pandemic was declared. Of course, we all know that in March 2020. And I had had other plans which got deferred. So I was teaching myself how to use this statistical um programming language called R. So I just needed some data to help me do that. So that's what brought me to it. And the thing was that once I got inside it, it took all of about a week for me to notice that something was indeed happening in VAERS. And the evidence now, um, I'm calling it the leaves rustling in the wind, is so strong And the fact that um, VAERS is a pharmacovigilance tool, which means that it's a uh, safety detection system for safety signals and data that weren't detected in pre-market testing or clinical trials. So basically, it's an alarm bell system. And if an alarm bell goes off, then the owners of the data, the FDA and the CDC, need to take notice in specific ways. They need to call attention to it. They need to do assessments in the form of causality assessments. And they need to warn the public if they find that a product is causing death, for example. This is the way it's always been done. So these safety signals, and it's not just VAERS, by the way. This is happening in the UDR system in Europe, in the yellow card system in Britain, in the Dane system in Australia, in SA VAERS, in South Africa. It's happening all over the world. So um, the the enormity of the range of signals that, that are being thrown off and the the um, the numbers uh, in 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 this within this range are so atypical. It's I don't know what the word is. The fact that it isn't the only thing that health officials aren't talking about is staggering. And that itself is a safety signal, if you ask me. Um, So that's the long answer to that question. I, um, 
I'm still stunned. At, theirs is a weekly updated system, and each week the numbers are still going up in the context of just three products, maybe four. There's an additional one added to the U.S. market now. Um, it's just staggering. There's over 1.4 million reports as opposed to the average for all vaccines combined for the past 30 years that VAERS has been on the go of about 39,000. Okay. There's like no, no comparison. It's, uh, you know, if if people want to look at the charts, they can go to your website, which we'll give them in a minute because it, it, you look at them and your eyes sort of pop. You mentioned that for most products, it takes five to 10, 15 years to bring it to market. Obviously, we were in a quote unquote emergency situation. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of pressure to get a vaccine done. People were willing. I know this just anecdotally willing to put that vaccine in their arm as soon as they could in order to protect themselves from what they were seeing as a fatal, a potentially fatal virus. So under these emergency circumstances, you you still think this thing was put out too quickly, this 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 injection, this vaccine, that it was maybe shoddily tested? Listen, absolutely. Even if we had been in an emergency situation in the face of a zoonotic pathogen, which this is not, we know that now, it was absolutely insane to rush this new technology into people so quickly. It's all biologicals that have to go through these rigorous testing procedures that take five to 15 years, all of them. And one of the biggest reasons why that's so important, besides getting the safety and efficacy data, is because biologicals, there's no liability once those things get out there. Pharmaceuticals are a different story completely. Okay. And it's, it's ironic because these products, because they're not conventional vaccines, are far more like pharmaceuticals. But if we define them that way, then none of this would have happened. So the fact that they're defined biologicals means that they're they're completely free of liability. The companies are immune. All right. Can you give us a layman's uh, distinction between biologicals and pharmaceuticals? Drugs versus uh, vaccines, let's say. Okay. Like so a, dr- a- Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Sorry. No, go ahead. So like a drug being being what pill. a pill uh, um like an antidepressant yeah okay a pill versus an injection in the form of uh, a, a viral protein okay so conventional so- vaccines been like viral proteins uh packaged in some kind of vehicle um attenuated of course to induce an immune response and these new products are not that at all 
uh, by any way, shape or form. And one of the points I wanted to bring up in your question was that this fear porn and the fear mongering that continues to this day is, is a byproduct of misuse and abuse of words. And it's as simple as that. These things have been called vaccines from the beginning and they're not for all intents and purposes. They are not. And if you want to, because they're, they're not conventional vaccines, they didn't go through the proper safety testing procedures. Um, They, they're not attenuated uh, viruses. It's not the same thing at all by any way that you look at this. So you, you can, uh, if you if you want to be less uh, litigious, you can say they're not conventional vaccines. But I say they're not vaccines at all. They're 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 mRNA transfection technology. It's a completely different thing. These things come in uh, a new tech called lipid nanoparticles, which are a composite of four different types of fats. Uh, the recipes are slightly different for Moderna and Pfizer. And the reason they need to do this is because the modified messenger RNA that is manufactured by the body once injected is um, needs to be protected. It needs a carrier molecule to get into the body by injection. This is also brand new technology. We've never done this before on a mass scale in the context of a virus. So instead of inserting a foreign protein, which your body will respond to directly in the form of an immune response, What you have is the injection of the messenger RNA template, which uh, dictates to your body's own cells to manufacture the protein, the subsequent protein by translation. And you're getting this massive, 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 this this is the modus operandi. I'm not sure if this is what's happening. Uh, You get this massive production of foreign protein by your own body. So it's a completely different system. And vaccination always implies inoculation. And pardon me. And again, I'd argue that that's not what's going on here. It's definitely not what's only what's going on here in the context how, how, of these. Pro- again, for for dopes like me, d- define inoculation. So it, when when you get uh, the original vaccination or inoculation involved. Uh, the, the scabs from infected people um, who had been, had uh, smallpox, for example. And if you, you can blow these up someone's nose or you can rub uh, the pus on someone's skin or you can inject it. And then the inoculant induces this immune response. So it, it's, it's the implication that you're getting the uh, T cell and B cell mediated immunity. I'm getting too technical here, but anyway, it's... <laughs> it's in like inducing an immune response for the purpose of inducing an immune response such that when you meet the real uh, virus in in life, you don't get sick and or okay. you don't die. So there, there, there aren't really other uh, horrific immunomodulatory uh, effects like seems to be the case with these new products. So well, the yeah. the, one, the one word people are you know hearing quite a bit is myocarditis. What, mm-hmm. what have you seen in terms of the data that suggests this is definitely attributable to the vaccine? So I I penned a paper over a year ago with Peter McCullough, who's a world renowned cardiologist. 
all, all I did was go into VAERS and I pulled out all the myocarditis reports and I compared them to the, the pre- previous years with all the other vaccines combined into the background rates of myocarditis in 12 to 15 year olds. And what I found back then was a 19 times higher reporting rate above background of myocarditis in young boys and bears. It was very, very clear. The um, the CDC and the FDA have, uh, have fessed up to this. They acknowledge that there's a, a proclivity for myocarditis in young boys in the context of these products. However, it's always um, in conjunction with uh, an underplaying of the seriousness. They, they refer to it as mild and transient, and it is neither of these things. Myocarditis is scarring of the myocardium, which basically means your heart can't beat as well. And so if you have this uh, happen to you when you're young, then it's literally taking decades off your life, in my opinion. And I haven't met a cardiologist who disagrees with that. It's very serious. Um, and the thing is, if if there is a suspected association, let's, well, let's not even call it causation, let's call it association between myocarditis in young children and these shots, and these children don't need these shots because this is not a deadly pathogen, then they should not, by any, like any sense of the word, be required to get these shots. It, it's just ludicrous to me. Um, the risk have, have is the, so much in the benefit. That That's... That's always been the the question around this whole pandemic. Have we made the cure more costly than the the problem? Is this myocarditis? Is this in just in that first version of the vaccine? Is it related just to that one? Like we've had subsequent boosters, and now we've got the you know God knows how many boosters they've got out there. Have they improved this shot, uh, or would you still say that it, there's a risk? No, no, it's gotten more useless. It's still dangerous. I mean, the bivalent thing is just the the, the original Wuhan strain, which is extinct, convert um, combined with uh, an Omicron strain, which is also extinct. So it's like it doesn't make any sense, but it's still dangerous. So, well, it still looks like it's dangerous from VAERS data. So, um, yeah, yeah, and and these boosters were just it's it's all the same crap. I mean. It, it, the Comirnaty and the Pfizer are the same thing. Um, uh, the Moderna and the Pfizer are are different, you know, slightly according to their own recipes, which we don't know the complete contents of because they won't reveal them. But yeah, it's it's they're they're in my in my viewpoint, there's there's no um, diminishing of danger. Um, there's diminishing of efficacy if there ever was any. <laughs> Uh, which is why they keep promoting boosters, but that doesn't say anything for safety. In fact, it appears as though the damage is cumulative. So the more you you so-called boost, um, the more potential you have for damage because you don't know what you're getting in that show, but well, it, I lost you. Yeah. It's it's interesting. You you mentioned the um, fear porn that's out there. I want to get into that with you. And also, 
just the 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 reasons why we aren't getting more information presented to us, why this is not more transparent. You've been out there. There are voices out there and they're shutting them down. I'm convinced, Jessica, that once this goes up on YouTube, it'll be down within a week. Uh, We'll try not to let that happen, but I'm certain that it will. Back with Jessica Rose after this. Well, not only have we had an economy full of pitfalls and ups and downs and gas prices and inflation and, you know, jobless claims on the rise. Now we've got this cryptocurrency phenomenon going on, which uh, we've seen some fraud. That's because like, is cryptocurrency, I mean, can you touch and feel it? What you can touch and feel is gold and silver. And when I'm investing in gold and silver, I trust legacy precious metals. And there's really never been a better time to try to work precious metals into your investment portfolio because you've got to look at the long term. you got to look at protecting your dollar against inflation and protect against a weakening dollar. And while I can't say all these things very well, the people who can are on the other end of a phone at Legacy Precious Metals. And you can call them and ask all your questions how much do you need to get started with? What what will gold or silver do for you in the short and long term? I I promise you, if you call them, you'll get all your questions answered there at 866-528-1903. 866-528-1903. Now, remember 2008 with that economic crisis? Those who invested in gold saw significant gains while others lost their retirements. So you need to do this now. Take matters into your own hands and give them a call, 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903, or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. I did an interview with Dr. Peter McCullough, whom you mentioned you did a paper with, and that interview was taken off YouTube within a week. I'm sure this interview with you will be taken off YouTube within a week. I'm curious. <laughs> you talked about fear porn and it's, it's an interesting concept and I keep sensing it. You know, the, the ladies on the view saying, telling everyone to get their boosters. Oh, COVID's back. It's back. It's back. And I just, I shake my head. Because this is what they're doing is instilling fear and this, you know, sense of duty or honor or whatever to get your shot. When we see a strain now of COVID potentially returning, what concerns you the most? The continued abuse of people and the continued predation on goodwill. Hmm. Uh, I'm not afraid of any virus. I'm not. I never have been in the, it, it, like, well, not never, but within two weeks, I, I stopped being uh, concerned. Why? Um, originally, because of my background, because when I originally heard the word zoonotic pathogen, I know what that means. And that's scary. You're of the, uh, the policymakers and the officials and the militants that I was seeing, that this had nothing to do with uh, protecting people from a virus. This had to do with controlling the people. It was very clear. To what um, end? To what end, Jessica? Why do you, because I think it's really tough for the average person to go, oh, hey, I live in America, damn it. We're a democracy. They, they don't want to control us. So, it, it, and yet, go ahead. 
they already are. Uh, people don't realize how um, how brilliantly insidious uh, the and sneaky um, it's all it all is. This is about um, digitization of the human. Uh, it's about removing the human from humanity. In my opinion, it's about data. Uh, it's about um, slavery. Quite frankly, um, most people are pretty much tethered to uh, a smartphone, quote unquote, which basically means you you, you have a tracking device with you. And I'm not being uh, sarcastic. That that's basically what smartphones are. They all have GPS, and in, you're constantly being monitored, whether you like it or not, whether you want to admit it or not. This is not paranoia. This is what they're doing. It's it's you can look this stuff up. And when you say so, this is what they are doing, who are they? I don't know who it is. I, a bunch of people who are much smarter than me, who have much better resources, are saying that this is uh, some kind of military operation. But I don't know. I'm not into that kind of thing. But uh, there's some kind of um, controlling force, which is it's been obvious because all of the behaviors from the that from the top down across the world in various countries have been the same. I mean, there had to be some command structure, right? It's hierarchical. So there's someone up there. I just don't know who they are. But this is about um, into the social credit score system. This is about uh, of some kind of authority, which means that if you don't have a certain score, you won't be able to buy food or, um, uh, you know, have heat your house, uh, move, I mean, we're already seeing the signs of this. If you have any doubt about what I'm saying, um, what did they do to us because of a virus? And everyone, you all still have common sense. I know that you do. They restricted our movement. A lot of us loved our losses. Believe me. Believe me when I say that from, from a an immunologist's point of view. There was no, and I also have an epidemiology degree. There's no, There was no justification for this. Um, it just created a tremendous amount of loss. And I'm not just talking about economic. Uh, a lot of people died from neglect because of this. Um, a lot of people are still dying. So this, the end game here, in my opinion, is um, is the digitization. And you have to control people. Uh, I think a lot of it also was part of an ongoing observational experiment to see how and who would conform to being told what to do. Um, I was stunned, absolutely stunned, and I still am, at the number of people who, without question, handed over their their rights. Mm. Now, you mentioned something really important about um, one of the coercive techniques, which was preying on people's sense of goodwill by saying that you're doing duty to your uh, your other fellow beings to your family, stop killing grandma, all this nonsense. What about the duty to yourself? What about your inalienable rights as a being? What about your right to live, right to move? You you don't answer to any authority but yourself and perhaps to God if you believe in that kind of thing or Mother Nature, whatever. You have a duty to yourself. I just want to remind everyone, not to this this weird idea of you know humanity or or society, 
not even your family. Your family would much rather that you did good by you and took care of you so that you could be a better member of your family and of society. This, this is how we're going to build a better species by taking care of ourselves first. Do not bow to any authority. I know how hard this is because I've gone through this exercise myself in the last two years. You don't even really need to be paying taxes. <laughs> I'm not going to go there because there are a <laughs> lot of people who cover this stuff. But I want everyone to think, really think about what they're entitled to as a living being. You do not have to get injected with anything to walk through the world. If there's a dangerous pathogen, you get to decide how you want to encounter that dangerous pathogen. You don't have to be guilted into doing anything that you don't feel comfortable doing. You can face that thing head on and your immune system will probably be more than capable of protecting you against that. I know someone's going to hear what you just said and they're going to say, yeah, but I have cancer. So, and I would like to live a little longer to which you would say. It's irrespective of these experimental uh, injections. And in fact, I just said this in an interview, the people that have been preyed upon the most, pardon me, uh, immunocompromised people, people with cancer, um, et cetera, et cetera. People who are actually on the exclusion criteria list of the clinical trials have been pushed to get these shots because it's going, they're going to protect them, quote unquote. And what the data is showing is that these are the very people, especially people with, with an autoimmune condition who should absolutely not get these shots because they're making conditions that exist worse. There are so many reports of cancer coming out of remission following in temporal proximity to getting these shots. There are so many accounts of autoimmune diseases coming back to life. Um, there's actually a film I saw, uh, not recently, but I, uh, that talked about endometriosis and a paper came out sub- subsequently that proved, provided very strong evidence for the fact that endometriosis in women got way worse after these shots. So the the evidence is coming in in the form of data, case studies, peer-reviewed studies, etc. And this is the data that I was talking about that wasn't collected before because we were rushed into this. Yeah. If people Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I just the before we finish up here. One of the things that really has been disturbing to me or alarming is that when people have gotten COVID and gotten through it and had then therefore natural immunity, um, they were still still pushed pushed to get the, the, the vaccine and the boosters and the rest. What why? It's it's a part of the insane narrative. Uh it doesn't make sense. They used words like herd immunity, which was all a sham. This has nothing to do with herd immunity. And if people actually under, and I'm not putting this on the people, no one should have to know what the frick herd immunity is, but it was all a sham because if this was about herd immunity, they wouldn't have been pushing, injecting all the kids. They wouldn't have been pushing, injecting every single human being in the middle of this. It's nonsense. We've never, ever done that before. And I hear the people saying, well, this is different. No, 
It's not. It's a coronavirus. And most of us probably had cross immunity anyway because it's a coronavirus. Kids are protected. They weren't there's they weren't even having symptoms let alone dying so this this has been and always has been about one thing we need to protect the vulnerable that would be the elderly and perhaps the infirm uh we we also needed to use repurposed drugs it, it's been long since established by a a plethora of very distinguished doctors long careers that there are a number of repurposed drugs that work very well at preventing people from even getting to the hospital with COVID, let alone dying from it. And this has all been suppressed. And that's a whole other hour of talking. Yeah. 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 What, what, before I let you go, Jessica, what gives you hope that your work and the work of others will somehow get enough daylight, get enough legitimacy behind it to, to stop this madness that you talk about? Um, talking to you, talking to at least one person like you every day, uh, getting amazing feedback. Um, the ball is rolling and the numbers are growing. Uh, unfortunately, the body count's still going up and that's not going to slow down, but that's a part of this. I mean, Guys, if we're gonna if we're gonna keep repeating these mistakes of the past, we're gonna have to keep learning our lessons. And uh, this is this is probably one of the biggest mess ups that we've we've put ourselves in ever. Um, but I, I am uh, optimistic. Um, I'm an eternal optimist, and and I, I'm just I'm very very grateful to be among such. Uh, incredible creative humans. There's so many. Um, that's another thing everyone needs to know. It, this, this isn't my opinion. This is a fact. There are so many more people who think like you than you realize. So, like, just talk. Yeah. That's the most important thing everyone can do. Talk. And if someone shuts you down, try someone else. Just keep talking. <laughs> It's it's a great piece of advice. You were on your way to becoming a professional surfer before the co- before the pandemic hit. Is that still in your future plans? Maybe. Uh, yeah, I was by definition a professional. I I call someone a professional or allow allow myself to be if I've done something for more than ten years and if I compete. So I I, I qualify in that regard. But um, I stopped doing it because um, competing. And surfing are not the same thing. And right. I didn't like who I was as a surfer when I was competing. I didn't like it at all. Um, but who knows? Maybe the circuit will open up for me um, in the future. Who knows? I'm, I'm not turning off any uh, any possibilities. Well, I'm wishing you some great waves in your future, non-competitive <laughs> waves. And I really appreciate your voice on this and your opinions and your the facts that you've unearthed. Uh, the website where people can follow you, give it to us one more time. Actually, we haven't done it it's, yet. So It's jessicasuniverse.com. Uh, and this is where you can find uh, all my interviews. Um, there's a lot of them. Uh, it's amazing. I'm, I'm stunned that anyone wants to talk to me, let alone so many people, but, uh, so be it. Um, there's updates, uh, which is weekly, some analysis, but I also have Substack, uh, Substacks, which is where you're going to find the most interesting stuff. I'm writing one now about a paper that came out that, that says, uh, 
It's an investigation, rather, that claims that the COVID shots uh, don't increase the risk of uh, shingles, which I I think is absolute rubbish. Mm-hmm. So I'm writing a substack to um, to explain to people why I think that's rubbish. So that's jessicar.substack.com. And I also have jessica5b3.substack.com. Um, you don't have to pay for anything that I write ever. If you want to, you can, but it's always free. Um, so those are the good sources of information from this chicky. <laughs> you can start your journey at jessicasuniverse.com. Jessica Rose, thank you so much for your time and your thoughtfulness and your commitment to this. We really appreciate you. This has been Sideline Sanity. Be brave as Jessica truly is and do good as she's doing as well. Thanks for listening. Happy to talk once again with Charles Thorngren, the CEO of Legacy Precious Metals. You know, I think it still is confusing to people, uh, some people, uh, as to why a precious metals investment would be a worthwhile one, particularly at this time when they're thinking, I'm doing all I can to put gas in the car. Why is now a particularly good time? And we'll go from there to how small of an investment is worthwhile for someone? You know, a great question. And I think the, the importance of why really comes into the fact that we have to save for ourselves, whether it's a little here, a little there, whether it's making it a plan and putting out so much a paycheck, whether it's making sure we fund our retirement account, we have to realize we are responsible for ourselves in the long run. <laughs> you mean that no one else is going to ride up and save us, you know, on some white steed? It ain't going to happen. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. You know, the, and anyone who's promising to do that is getting ready to take advantage of you in some form or fashion. Yeah. And so so if if I'm an investor, a potential investor, and I'm looking at legacy precious metals and I'm saying to myself, yeah, I, I, this sounds smart. I don't have a lot to spend. What would you tell that person? I would say, do what you can. If you never start, you never get there. So the most important step you can take is saying, I'm going to take care of myself and my family. I'm going to make it a plan. I'm going to take action. I'm going to start in the way that's comfortable for me. That's the important thing. The first step is always the hardest. But once you take that first step, the second step is easier. And then you're moving. And then once you're in motion, it's hard to stop you. So that first step, most important step. I always tell people they can call and talk to an IRA expert or, or check out the, the guide that they can download for free, the investor's guide. What, what is the number one question that you get from people who are first-time investors? The biggest question I get, is this right for me? That is the question. And that comes from everyone. So, so everyone's asking the same, is this right for me? And yet we're all so unique. And, and yet it, it is a sound investment for just about any portfolio, isn't it? It is. Even though we're all unique, that uniqueness is going to tailor the way we begin the investment. Okay. But we're all in the same situation. That's the one thing I think we seem to forget in today's society. Whether you agree with somebody or not, we're in this together. America is in this transition that we're in right now. We're dealing with the same issues. Some people like them, some don't, but we're all in it together. Right. So the need is the same. How we prepare and how we invest is what changes from person to person, but we all have that same need. It's a great point. And again, I encourage people to 
to to just make the call, pick up the phone. That step is always the hardest. I'm not sure why that is. In any kind of effort that you make in life, whether it's weight loss or exercise or investing some way to better your life, it always seems like that first hurdle is is the challenge. Uh, but when they call, who who are they going to talk to? Who what what's going to be on the other end of the line for them? Great question. You're you're going to speak with one of our customer representatives. And their job is not to sell you metals, right? We have a much different approach. We're going to answer all your questions. We're going to show you what options you have. And on the rare occasion, this isn't right for you. We're going to say this probably isn't right for you. Um, we have a gold company here, but you know, I, I say it all the time. What we actually deal in is customer service. We want each and every individual that calls to get the answers they need to be able to make the decision that's right for them. And we want to do that in a way that's not pushy, that's not salesy. And that's what makes my team so special. We care about each and every caller. And we're going to show you what options you have, and then you get to make an informed decision. So don't be afraid of the phone call. It's the best thing you can do. And this is why I am so honored and I feel privileged to be sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. They're the ones that I'm going to deal with, and I encourage you to pick up the phone, give them a call, even easier, go check out their their guide it's a free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. But as you said, Charles, pick up the phone. You're going to talk to someone who can answer your specific questions and get get the ball rolling, get, get started, do something that is a long-term play for your family's benefit. Charles, it's always great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's always great to be here. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.